You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. There he is. Hello, George. Hey, how's it going? Awesome. Cool, cool, cool. Hey, man, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having you. All right, Sarah, you're good? Yes. I mean, just close the window. Okay, sounds great. George, where are you calling from? I am just outside of Seattle, a little town called Bothell, Washington. How do you say Bothell or Bothell or with an F or a TH or what? TH. TH. You just say, you, you just say Seattle. Okay, right on. <laughs> cool, Wait, cool. Where are, you, where are you at? I'm in uh, Redwood City, which is, we just say, Bay Area near San Francisco. So I'm a little bit like 30 minutes south of San Francisco. Right on. Cool. Hey, well, thanks so much for jumping on uh, the Holy Cannoli podcast. I have two different ones, so I just want to make sure you know which one you're on right now. <laughs> I have a Brave Maker podcast, which is a nonprofit that empowers brave storytellers, particularly stories for people of color, the LGBTQ community, and women. And we do monthly film screenings and a film festival in June. But my Holy Cannoli podcast really delves deep into culture and the church and the sacred strangeness of life. That's kind of our tagline is life is sacred and life is strange. So how, how do you embrace that and live that out? Ooh. So thank you guys. Well, how, how about you to introduce yourself so people can get a, you're, you're my first two person podcast. I've done 40 some podcasts with just one person on in the conversations. So it's kind of fun to have my first twofer. <laughs> Love it. So introduce yeah, so yourselves. You yeah. Introduce yourselves. So we can get familiar with your voices. Sure, I'll start. Um, so my name is George McHale, and I'm co-founder, along with Sarah, who you'll, just, who you'll meet in a sec, of churchclarity.org, and that's an organization where we are trying to increase the standard of clarity in, in churches when it comes to their actively enforced policies. Um, so we'll talk about that, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I've been in ministry for about eight years, and just kind of trying to find my way, just like everyone else in, in this whole Christian world, and what it is and what it isn't. Sarah, how about you? I'm Sarah New. I live in Brooklyn, New York City. I met George, I think, in the summer of 2017 after writing an article. I work as a freelance writer. Um, And he connected. We talked about Church Clarity, and I came on to start it. And I guess a year and a half later, that's more or less what we're doing. I don't have the same um, church background as George, but... Um, I've always also been in the church. I grew up in uh, Southeast Asia and California, and my parents were kind of missionary pastors, and then was have been involved in various churches since then. So the tagline to church clarity is, clarity is reasonable. Uh, can you just talk about that? What does that mean for you and the work that you're doing? Yeah, uh, clarity is reasonable basically just means that it really is a two-way street. When we talk about clarity, it's not only is it's not something that we are like you're forced into that everyone it's not a requirement. It's not uh, something that you should be like oppressed into. It's it's just it's just reasonable. It's just hey, just be clear about where you're at. Uh, the way Jesus put it in, in the Bible is let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Um, we're, we're basically trying to change the narrative around some of the harder conversations within Christianity. Uh, specifically right now we're scoring churches based on LGBTQ policy and women in leadership policy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times in these conversations, we there's, there's this general vibe of like wanting to argue theology and wanting to argue belief and, and wanting to, to change each other's like mind on, on our worldview and ideology. When what we're really trying to do is just say, 
before we even get there, before we even talk about substance, let's just put our cards on the table and say, here's where I'm at right now. And even all the way down to if where you're at is you're actively discerning what you, where you're at, mm-hmm. at least just be upfront about it. And then the whole nature of the conversation, the whole di- dynamic changes to where uh, we can actually have a reasonable conversation. So uh, it's meant to be sort of that, that, t- that two way iron sharpens iron type of a vibe with the word reasonable. So it's very, very intentional in that sense. Do you want me to respond as well? Or of do course. You? Yeah, please, okay. please. Sure, sure. I, I mean, I think to add on to what George said, we're trying, some people say we're a very divisive organization. We're trying to out people or do a little gotcha, what have you. Um, I think when we say clarity is reasonable, in some ways we are saying that this should not scare you Mm. on principle. Like this is, this shouldn't trigger defenses. Like we're not trying, we're not saying your theology is immoral. We're not trying to, what have you. We're just saying actually it's just a pretty reasonable thing. There's quite a radical revolution in your worldview to think that people deserve information about how they can participate in your church if they want to go to your church. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's very dis- unsettling and disruptive sure. because common sense is not organizational's organization's strong suit, but we can get into that another question. <laughs> so many of my listeners are pretty familiar with, um, my church experience. And just so you, you all know, uh, I was an ordained church pastor for 20 years. I then left about a year ago to start a nonprofit. Now I sort of, I work with different churches and I call like, you know, pastor at large. I speak, I consult, I do a lot of creative work. And my connection with you all was because I was a part of a church that denominationally at the level, they were you know, being very clear about where they were with the LGBTQ community. And at the local level, many churches are wrestling with what that looks like. So one podcast, uh, we, we had a conversation with a pastor in Minnesota who is actively welcoming the LGBTQ community into membership and being very clear about that, but suffering consequences with his denomination. And so your work is really kind of working at that level to make sure churches are clear about, can you like be specific? Like what does, how is a church rated? What are, what is that language around that? And what would someone expect to find if they went on to the church clarity website and how they might, you know, get connected to a local church in that way? Sure. I can probably take this one, George. Um, so when you go to our website, you should find a way to look up a church or submit a church. And we're launching a new section for individuals as well to become clear, which we can talk about later. But right now, you can either look up a church in your area and be like, hey, this is a church, these are its policies, or we don't know its policies, and you'll get um, either a clear, unclear, undisclosed score. So clear means the policies were easy to find, unclear means it was really hard to find, and undisclosed says we couldn't find anything substantial. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. there is an affirming or non-affirming score. So it tells you whether LGBTQ people can fully participate or not, and then egalitarian or non-egalitarian. Kind of the same thing with some important caveats. The other score that churches receive is a verified clear score in which a church proactively discloses its policies to us by filling out a survey that we sent to them. So, and I'll explain that by explaining what happens when you submit a church. When you submit a church, you just have to enter the URL, a few other things. And then um, we have a team of about 50 active volunteers who go through all church submissions, fill out the rest of the entry, like church Twitter, logo. And then we have someone go in and 
give the church a score. So often they're doing some form of online investigation and fact-checking. After they score a church, um, the church has emailed a survey saying, your church has been scored. Would you like to get become verified clear? You will receive the score regardless of your answers to our questions. So if you say no, no, no to whether you hire, marry, or ordain a queer person, or no for women preaching, women leadership, that's okay. You'll still get a verified clear score, but now your answers will be posted in our database. Um, so each church entry gets goes through about three, sometimes even four levels of review, and they're published, and people emails all the time to make corrections and point out things we missed and then we update those um yeah it's a kind of an intensive process and we try to keep it as kind of evidential um you know as possible we only look at websites denomination websites and uh pastor statements so we don't look at yelp reviews we don't look at um people's personal experiences although we do have a blog with most people publish those but we're just looking at is this church clear about its policies online in some form or fashion can we find them online if we can't find them maybe everyone knows what the policies are like on the ground but you know we're just evaluating its online presence so that's kind of the unique niche that we occupy a little bit and why do you think it's important? Why do you think this work is important for churches to do, even though you alluded to earlier that it can kind of seem divisive or put churches on the defense? Why is it important for a church? Why would you encourage a church to go through it? I mean, the biggest thing, the other part of our tagline is ambiguity is harmful. Ambiguity yeah. is harmful, so clarity is reasonable. So sure. so when you're vague, people do end up getting hurt. I mean, mm. we the blog that Sarah just mentioned is full of, of stories, of, and it's just a partial list of the stories that we receive from these submissions of, hey, this church is infamous for being misleading about being quote-unquote welcoming or sure. inclusive even, like Churches are, are upping their game actively in terms of how they mislead people, um, and they're doing it because they know, I think, the ones that are doing it um, in a way that's sort of overt, they're doing it because they know that if, if they were to say what their policy was as clearly as we're requesting, right. that a lot of people in their congregation would have an issue with that. And so it's important that they are upfront, even if, even if again, where they're at is they're actively discerning where they're at. Um, and not try to like trick people into a different uh, place. People want to know where where you are leading them um, and what they can expect and what the expectations of them are. Churches hold people like to this weird lifestyle covenant a lot of times, and and the rules in which they operate under are a lot of times unspoken. Yeah. So um, it's really important that churches are clear with people so that nobody gets hurt. I really appreciate the blogs that you have been putting up and, you know, in some way it's, uh, you know, as I'm a year out of an official institutional church vocation role, uh, I'm in this new space of feeling free to express the values that I have and the beliefs. And so I've appreciated the work that you've been doing and the blogs. Um, but you guys are revealing a lot of hurt. There's a lot of hurt out there that we, and I'll say we because I'm a part of the church and uh, have been a, a leader who's been a part of a church that has caused hurt. There's a lot of pain that we've caused in, as you say, in this ambiguity or having these unsaid rules and regulations. What what are you doing or do you feel as if there's any kind of responsibility that church clarity might even be uncovering for the future of your work of, of helping those heal as you do this clarity uh, communication stuff. 
I'll take a, a quick stab at this. Just I think it goes back to the whole clarity is reasonable thing. It, it really does come down to uh, us wanting to change the entire conversation. So mm-hmm. when we say clarity is reasonable, part of what we're saying too is once clarity is delivered, at some level, you kind of got to reevaluate the nature of the conversation that you're trying to have because clarity is reasonable. So if someone says to you, okay, no, I will not uh, hire, marry, or ordain um, queer people, or no, women can't. Uh, teach men at this church, your response to that, I think, um, matters. And I, and I think at some level, you we, we do have to get to a place where we can at least appreciate the clarity, mm-hmm. even when we disagree with the contents of it, sure. and then decide, all right, what is, what is holistic... Um, what is a holistic approach to this that doesn't require me to like be in this constant fight with everyone or need everyone to conform with what my way of thinking or have some sort of purity test, right? Which is the other thing that we get uh, accused of, right? Of uh, being the, I think someone's called us the gay stopo at one point because they, <laughs> okay. they, they, they think that there's like this menace, like menacing uh, pl- plot to do something with the information that we're, we're, um, we're putting, we're making public when in reality, um, we're, again, we're just trying to prevent people from getting hurt and change the conversation to where now you have clarity, move on yeah. at some level or, you know, figure out how you're going to interact with sure. it different. So what I, Sarah, 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 oh Sarah might add something to that. Go ahead, Sarah. Do you have some? Yeah, I think the thing I would highlight with the blog post is that what we really try to focus on is not necessarily people hurt by non-affirming policies, although obviously that's a big part of it, mm-hmm. um, but people hurt specifically by... Um, not being deceived or being bait and switched or feeling like cheated. And that's yeah. like that particular pang of betrayal of like, why didn't you tell me is kind of what we're specifically trying to zoom on, which is work. It's kind of a harm reduction model. If that makes sense. Like people will still be hurt. Obviously if you have clear policies, depending on who you are, but at least, you know, you're respecting people's dignity. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was curious, what denomination were you a part of when you mentioned where uh, earlier in the beginning? The Evangelical Covenant Church. Oh, yes. A very tricky church for us to score. Uh, yeah. What do you know about it? <laughs> George's got some connects. George's got some connects. <laughs> you got some connections there, George? Oh, good. I mean, Adam Phillips is a good friend of mine. So oh, yeah. His, cool. I know Adam. Awesome. His, cool. His, his story always comes to mind with ECC. We have a couple of volunteers who are part of the ECC. It's uh, it's definitely one that has struggled with ambiguity. I yeah, will say that. Yeah. So those who don't know, I mean, if you listen to my podcast before, you know I've been a part of this church denomination and family and many friends um, still connected there. But the denomination uh, at a high level on an annual uh, conference basis uh, has been meeting to discuss the ethics of sexuality and they have landed on, you know, we will only ordain uh, marriage between one man and one woman and abstinence um, and singleness for those who are in the LGBTQ community. And at the local level, many churches are wrestling with how do we, do we divide? Do we split? Um, because there's many people who would disagree and want their policies to be clear to welcome the LGBTQ community. Adam Phillips, if you don't know, he is, um, uh, he's, he's in Seattle, right? Is he up, up in your neck of the woods, George? Uh, Port- Portland, Portland. So he was a church planter with the denomination I formerly was a part of. And when he started to welcome the LGBTQ community, he uh, his credentials were pulled and his funding was pulled. And it was a kind of a string of, I will actually have, to, um, well, not tomorrow, I'm recording the podcast tomorrow. I'm recording a conversation with Judy Peterson, who was fired from our 
denominational school in which I graduated from. Uh, That was my undergraduate degree from North Park University in Chicago. And so Judy and I go way back, and she has been just through the ringer. She's a straight white woman who's been an advocate for the LGBTQ plus community, and she officiated a same-gender wedding, and it was just grueling. So, uh, yeah, the covenant has been going through it. I know you all in your work has, um, you know, probably helped to surface some of these things in, in a really good way. But what I hear you saying that I appreciate, two things I hear you saying. One is you just want people to be clear. And it's, I mean, you're not saying, well, you are saying, you're saying it's okay for them to have the theology that they have. Number one, you're not trying to guilt trip or shame people. You just want people to be honest. And number two, you're also advocating, like, it still is hurtful <laughs> for you to be uh, exclusive and unaffirming. We just want you to be honest about it because you'll actually cause less pain by doing that. Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. And, and I also think like these conversations are, are ch- can be challenging because it's separating church clarity, sort of the entity, the movement, the, mm-hmm. the, the methodology, even from us as individuals, when we talk on our be- own behalf, um, we obviously have opinions on what our view of sure. theology is and what's right. You know what I mean? Everyone has their own opinions, but from a church clarity perspective, it, it really does just come down to being clear um, so it's harder for church clarity as an entity to not harder, but it's just, it, it, it starts to get muddy when it starts making these, these judgments. And at the same time, and we put this in our FAQ, me as an individual, I want to still be able to, to say like, no, that theology harms people. Yeah. Right. And so part of clarity also is hopefully helping teach people to be comfortable with that tension that yeah. we all are, we all have our own views. And it, I can also co-lead this organization that isn't interested in making those individualistic judgments, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you are, you do want to change the conversation at one level. You are trying to just help streamline authentic, honest, transparent communication, but you also, this uh, secondary movement is to help change the conversation on a global level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Sarah, I'll start with you. Why is this so personal? Why, why give your life to this? And what does it look like for you to live this out with such a passion? It's, I feel like it's such a pastor question. Um, <laughs> I am pastor. Pastor here. Giving <laughs> your life to this passion. No, I don't have a question. Um, I think for me, I've always been someone who's kind of been in the interest, who's wore multiple hats in terms of being a writer, a journalist sometimes, or um, kind of doing a lot of ministry stuff, either through my dad's church. And then, you know, I'm fairly involved in my church. I go to now Forefront Brooklyn, but also interested in building kind of new organizations, new, new products, new ways of doing things. It's kind of in a more entrepreneurial way, for lack of a better word. Um, and I feel like church clarity sits at a very important niche mm-hmm. um, between all those three things. So personally, I think that's why I'm, I've gravitated towards it. I haven't had a particular experience of being burned by a lack of clarity, although I do identify as queer and what have you. Um, but I, I think what keeps me uh, excited about the work uh, beyond just the initial draw is that I'm excited by it because it is fundamentally, I think, hopefully about redistributing power um, from institutions to individuals. And in this case, we think information is a kind of power. So when there's an asymmetry of information, there's an asymmetry of power, which creates the conditions for abuse. So um, figure out how to organize power, how to redistribute it. I think it's something that's very interesting and exciting for me. 
So your work in New York City, are you with your dad's church? No, okay. no, no. A separate church. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about the, the church in New York before we go to George and his passion explanation? Yeah, my, my church, um, I think, in, uh, you know, it's Forefront Brooklyn and a pastor, Jonathan Williams. We had an interesting process because there was a point in time in which we were unclear affirming. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So we had transitioned from being non-affirming to affirming. But there was a period of time in which it wasn't super clear to everyone. It wasn't on the website. You know, the pastor was like preaching about it every Sunday because the transition was kind of slowly happening. Um, and I caught the church in the last third of its transition. So now everything's pretty clear and what have you. But I remember talking to the pastor, um, Jonathan, and he was like, he was saying like he regrets every day. I mean, I'm putting words in his mouth a little bit, but he kind of regrets every day he spent not being clear on something that was so uh, vital. Sure. So that was interesting because, yeah. you know, in some ways his job was on the line. Yeah. I'm just like an outsider in some ways. You know, there's not a ton of stakes for me because um, I knew what was going on. But I think George also almost has a similar but opposite perspective because he's a pa- he's the pastor and I'm usually the congregant. And so we make an interesting kind of duo in some ways. Mm-hmm. Thank you. George, what about you? Yeah, I mean, even just to piggyback off of what John- Jonathan's comments that you just said, <laughs> it's church clarity is first and foremost for me about repentance and mm-hmm. it's it's no it's having been in the game and seeing how the sausage gets made <laughs> and being like uh you know and waking up to that but then feeling this sense of obligation or responsibility however you want to put it of like i can't just can't just unsee that and unknow um something that especially because it, it hadn't up until church clarity in my view hadn't been as addressed as directly as consistently as uh uh, just, just out there. Like we just went for it. We just put like, Hey, here's, uh, here's the churches and we're just going to publish it and put it on the website. And I think at some level people were like, what the, yeah. and there's something about, um, just that energy that just gets me really excited about what, what it could do. I mean, technology is enabling it. Our, our unique moment in history is yeah. obviously making it so that we can, um, we can impact a lot of change. I think we already are. We're already a part of some conversations where things are actually beginning to shift. And so, um, I'm passionate for for those reasons. I also think church. I also think the church aspect of clarity is is just the beginning. I think that the message of of clarity and clarity being reasonable actually resonates beyond the confines of of the church economy. And um, Sarah and I have been doing you know other other work to explore sort of some of those verticals and, and where the where that might be. But the church obviously has a a really unique ability to impact society and culture um, and the way that we view morality and, and and we just we need something we need a way to change the way that we're relating to each other yeah. and we need to we need to equip people with new tools and new language and yep. new methods for um, evaluating how they're gonna how they're gonna show up in the world and how they're gonna interact with people and so uh, clarity is I think gonna be a big part of that I, I thank you so much for for that because you know my my heart goes out to all the people who have left the church because of lack of clarity or because they were hurt. And it's on both sides. People who feel they're women, they're people of color, they're LGBTQ community members who just felt not heard, not seen, not welcome. They leave or the people who love those communities and they feel like the church is irrelevant and dying. And so you are igniting something, some 
as you were talking, I was thinking any listener that in some way has uh, left the church, I think Sarah and George, you two are both great examples of going, what are we passionate about? What do we know? Like technology, let's do something. Let's unite. Let's make something better for uh, for those of us today that's going to impact the future. So how did you two, by the way, meet? And how did this, oh, we didn't even get there. How did this thing get started? What's yeah, the backstory so- here? Um, so I had, uh, been working with our third co-founder, Tim Schrader, uh, to just kind of bring this thing to life. And, um, I just, just moved to New York and, uh, I took a job over there at Riverside church and read that article that Sarah wrote that she mentioned earlier, reached out to her, um, pitched the idea mm-hmm. and like, was like, I think you could be a really uh, key part of, of this and let's co-found it together. And wow. so, the, so the three of us launched it, I think a few months, uh, after, after that initial meeting, but, uh, and then Tim has moved on to, uh, other opportunities and, and things like that, but he's still, he still was there at the beginning. So he's wow. still one of the co-founders, but, uh, but yeah, that's kind of a bit of the backstory. What I leave out, Sarah, I'm sure I left out a critical detail or two. Um, I think, well, the part of the story that, that George didn't quite mention is that after his church came out as affirming as East, when he was a pastor at Eastlake, you remember you got all those calls from pastors, George? Oh, yeah. Yeah. People were asking you how you did it kind of thing? No, people oh. were expressing. So this is more just like, what was the impetus? Like, how did the idea for Church Clarity come up? And it, and it was after we became affirming uh, Eastlake Church in Seattle is a large mega church. We were it was in Time Magazine. It was like a uh, one of the first large mega churches. So we got calls from all over hmm. the country from pastors being supportive and being like, oh my okay. god, this is ama- this is amazing. Wow. But then they they never backed that up with anything publicly. Uh, it was just like this, uh, so hard this, in the secret, right? Like we're right. glad you could do it, but we never could type of thing. Right, right. Ah, uh, yeah. And so that was like the first, like, wait a minute, what's what's going on? Mm. And people would like literally, like, they'd see us at conferences. I, I remember this one guy who would come over and be like, "Hey, I just want you to know, I really, really appreciate what you're doing, but don't tell anyone here because I'm here with my with my staff." And yeah. then he just dipped and uh, never saw him again. That's so hard. So, so hard. I was like, we're doing this wrong. Uh, we're going out here trying to we're trying to change people's mind. We're trying to tell people, hey. We used to have your theology, yeah. and now we don't. Yeah. You should try our theology. Yeah. And it was just like, this isn't working. Yeah. Let's stop doing that. I get I mean, I get a lot of that, too. And, you know, and I, I have empathy because I understand people have food to put on the table. They need benefits. And they have a job. And, I you know, I, I get it. At one point two years ago, you know, when I was told, hey, keep my questions quiet, I, had, I couldn't verbalize the things I was thinking and questioning regarding scripture. I, it was kind of like, whoa, I could lose my job. So... I get that. And I, I, you know, on the other side, it's freaking hard uh, where I am today. But I would encourage pastors, people in your churches, if you are thinking through these things differently and you feel uncomfortable, I just want to invite you to go on the, the adventure. Get on the go on the church clarity ride. Dip your toes in. Take a look at the blog. See what other churches are doing, because this is like a, a, we're in history. We're creating you all are creating history right now. And we get to be a part of this story that we're going to look back five, 10, 20 years from now and be able to say, I was a part of that. And I stood on the right side of history. I really believe that. So thank you guys for your work. Thank you both for stepping out and putting your reputations on the line. And I guess I'd love to end with, if you have any stories to share of the things you're hearing about um, because of your work, I'll just kind of say I was with a church this weekend. I do a lot of 
um, speaking with different churches along the Bay. And I'm with, I was with a church um, called The Quest. My friend Matt Nightingale said he connected with you guys on Twitter or something. Um, he's one of the pastors there. By the way, it sounds like you guys, wait, you started your relationship, your church clarity company online. Like you just reached out to Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. I love yeah. the 21st century. Okay. That's so <laughs> rad. I love that. Uh, but I was with the quest and I was getting mic'd up by this guy cause I was speaking and I said, so, Hey, how'd you, what's your story? How'd you find uh, quest? How long you been here? I said first, he said, Oh, four weeks. I was like four weeks and you're already working in the sound team. That's amazing. He's like, yeah, I was here for one week. And then a week two, I, I, I volunteered. I'm like, cool. Well, how'd you find it? He said, Oh, church clarity. I was looking for a church that was affirming nice. for the LGBTQ community. He, he's a member of the LGBTQ community and he found them, found quest through them. He's like, you know, 20 minutes away. I thought, how rad I'm talking to them tomorrow. So that's just an encouragement to you that oh, the quest right. in Nevada, California, right over the Golden Gate Bridge has been uh, impacted because of your work. So someone found a family because of that. So any other stories that you have of of the work that you're doing that you could share to end the podcast here? Oh, that was such a high note. Can we just end it? (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody. See ya. We're done. Boom. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, we get those kinds of stories filtered all the time. I think they're probably like hundreds more that we don't quite hear. Try to think if there's anyone particular that has been super impactful. George, I don't know what comes um, to mind. One that's kind of fun. I, I told on another podcast, but uh, there someone hit us up on Twitter not that long ago and was like, "My 11 year old son has caught the vision of Church Clarity and is sitting here submitting churches in Tennessee." <laughs> <laughs> to the database. And sure awesome. enough, we're getting all these submissions no on this on this Saturday. Wow, wow. So even an eleven year old understands that clarity hey, is reasonable. That's rad. Right on. <laughs> I think I talked about this on the uh, podcast a few weeks ago, but you guys also have been all over Twitter. There's been some um, celebrity engagement, I think, or some, what was it? Uh, someone started a conversation and then linked to you guys through Ellen Page, right? Ellen Page mm-hmm. was on a conversation on a talk show or something like that. And she, you know, said, hey, this church needs to be clear about their their policies and then church clarity. And then there's a website that there's a um, article written about you guys. I mean, it's crazy. It's so crazy mm-hmm. how you guys are connecting like these little tentacles all over the place. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's been wild. And then, the, and then the pastor of that church, Hillsong, blocked us on Twitter. So wow, <laughs> wow. Yeah, a lot of people started harassing him, not harassing him, just calling him out for because they published a blog post being like Hillsong loves all people uh-huh. and welcome all LGBT people to attend our church. And also what's significant is what they did not say. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we just kind of doubled down and called them out. And then yeah. I think this and just blocked us. So, so I know pastors will hear that and they're going to, they're going to feel like their skin's going to crawl a little bit, but uh, the heart behind it is I know everybody wants to love all people, but the reality is when we do have boundaries for our love, meaning if you are a woman and you're not allowed to preach, that's not loving. <laughs> it, is, it just isn't. Or if you're a gay person and you can't lead a Bible study or get married or have your kids dedicated, it's that's not loving. And so I think it's going to cause churches to really, really re- reevaluate and say, oh, if you know, we, we do love people, <laughs> but our, our love can only go so far. And that's really hard. I think it's really hard for someone to have to admit to say that. That's why they don't. 
That's why we choose to be dishonest. And I'll say we, because I was a part of that at one point. It was really hard to admit, like, our church just wouldn't officiate a same gender wedding. That was really hard to have to admit it's painful. And I think if you're Mm -hmm. a pastor, if you're someone listening to this right now and that is painful, then I go just wrestle with that. Talk about that with someone who's who you can trust. We're not, this isn't about shaming. This is about people. And, you know, I've been passionate and vocal on this podcast that we not only are harming people emotionally, but people are being pushed to take their very lives because they don't feel valued or honored or welcomed or accepted. And this is on us as the church, as the body of Jesus Christ. And I am so wanting this to be something that we don't just brush under the rug, that we really take to heart. So thank you both for what you're doing. People can go to churchclarity.org or is it com? Yep, .org. .org. They both work. They both work. If you want to support this this ministry, you can also give through that same website. And Sarah and George, where can people find you uh, on all the socials? I'll put it in the show notes as well. Sure. I'm at G McHale, M-E-K-H-A-I-L on uh, Twitter and Instagram and I think Facebook. (laughs) How do you spell that? Can you spell that again? Yep. G-M-E-K-H-A-I-L. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess both our last names are immigrant names, so tricky to spell. Uh, S-A-R-H-N-G-U. Uh, I think that applies for everything. Cool. Twitter, social. But um, just quick notes. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? Go for it. The, the, on the love thing, I think, you know, the, the thing that pastors sometimes don't quite grasp, in addition to what you said, which is very good, um, is that lack of clarity is never a loving thing to do. Mm-hmm. So if you do it for policies that are not affirmative, not egalitarian, like, okay, that's one thing. But to be unclear about them, I just don't know how that helps mm-hmm. people, how that benefits anyone. It just seems fundamental and, you know, an unhelpful thing to do at the very least. So just want to kind of add that specific nuance more. Thank you. Just because that's a specific thing we're focused on. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's good. Well, thank you so much, both of you. Actually, this is going to go yes. out t- today. So I'm going to like wow. edit this like like crazy and put it out on tax day. So April 15th, I hope I if, you're, if you're grieving the fact that you're not getting no returns like me on tax day, then be encouraged that there's good happening in the world. And, and Sarah and George of Church Clarity, thank you so much for being a part of it. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks for being on the Holy Cannoli Thanks Podcast. Much. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it.